He abandoned corporate America to embark on a whole new venture in horror podcasting. Please join your host and his sister for today's episode of Not Your Average Horror Show. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on this ninth episode. Are we at nine? Let's see. Seven was Texas Chainsaw. Eight? Yes. Nine. Wow. Almost the tenth one. We're going to have to do something special for number ten. I agree. Let's get the dancing bears and, uh, you know, everything else provided for us. So how's your weekend going? Anything noteworthy going on this weekend or is kind of a lazy one? Uh, yeah. Lots of sleeping. Um, <laughs> That's fun. TV watching. <laughs> yeah. I'll be Anything good? Exciting <laughs> things to talk about. <laughs> oh, right. Of course. So nothing good. No good shows or anything like that. Um, I know we talked about Stranger Things for a minute last time, but... Right. Oh, I've been watching um, The Last of Us on HBO. Um, I've I don't know seen... if you're familiar with it. I've seen it advertised, and I know a lot of people are talking about it, but I have no clue what it's about. Um, it's another like post-apocalyptic show. Oh. Uh, very similar to The Walking Dead, but the premise is well it's based on a game first of all um less zombies than the walking dead uh well there's still zombies but okay (laughs) they are controlled by a cordyceps fungus which is known in the natural world if you've seen any animal planets um they like will invade an ant's um brain and like take it over um and the wow. ant itself will become a zombie oh really and, uh, yeah so it's kind of based off of that premise it's like oh what would happen if um the same kind of fungus like made the leap into humans um and there's of okay. course like a whole other um backstory to do with it but it's it's interesting it's something to watch oh all right cool <laughs> yeah i'm looking for new stuff to watch just because oh uh, let's see yeah because stranger things i still haven't gotten around to watching that last two and a half hour episode mm-hmm. and Ozark I just finished up also which was pretty good now you thought you would finished Ozark right <laughs> and yeah. I I hate this trend of shows doing this now whereas they'll give you six episodes or half the season and then they just stop and they're like okay more to come later on yeah I just wasn't like on the internet that week or something and I missed the memo that it was only halfway done and i was like well that's kind of a stupid way to end the series it right. was so rushed and just not <laughs> resolved <laughs> so just them driving to chicago was the last thing you saw and you figured it was done at that point yeah <laughs> yeah kate thought the same thing so yeah if that many people are getting tricked by it you'd think they'd have a better job or at least put at the end of it watch for our season to continue at some point because <laughs> yeah or at least like have something appear on the screen that tells the viewers mm-hmm. otherwise you just have to know or yeah i don't know what they're doing here moving on so friday the 13th part three is what we're talking about this week of course we did part four last time that's a little bit out of sync but i guess four i wanted to talk about because that was my favorite one in the series and that was like the last well, that was the last piece of the big three slashers that we hadn't spoken about yet. So I wanted to get that in there. But I just thought part three, you know, it was kind of like one of those in-between ones. It wasn't especially great, and it wasn't, like, bad. But it was, um, I think it was up there. A lot of times when you get these 3D movies, a lot of their focus is just on that gimmick alone. Um, some of them are just, like, bad. Like Jaws 3, of course, 
I think we touched on that a little bit. You remember at the end where the shark just looks like it's frozen on the screen, but just like inching along, almost <laughs> as if you can tell it's like plastered on some kind of fake screen and it's moving through the water. I'm sure it was great for the time. Of course. I'm sure it just made people shit their pants in the theater when they were watching a giant shark uh, leap out into the lab <laughs> and throw their popcorn up in the air. I'm sure it had that kind of natural effect on people. <laughs> but Friday the 13th Part 3 came out right around the same time. I think that was 82. And so there was other movies doing it also. Not many, but it was just like the industry just kind of comes and goes with 3D. In fact, they did it somewhat, you know, in recent times, in 2010. The first one I can remember is Clash of the Titans. I think you saw that, right? Mm, maybe. I don't remember anything of it. Yeah. Uh, so there was that. And I think, of course, like a lot of these uh, superhero movies, they worked it into those movies also. Pixar. Um, Pixar, very yeah. Popular. Oh, yeah. Was it? What was that one we were talking about? I know we talked about this during Jaws 2 because we brought up three and other 3D movies, but Balt oh. was one of those. Oh, were we talking about Avatar? <laughs> yeah. The first Avatar was 3D, right? Yeah. Well, it was released in a lot of theaters with the 3D slash IMAX option. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, yeah, the option was there at least. It's like you didn't have to watch it in 3D. But even if you didn't see it in 3D, wasn't it still kind of like enhanced somehow, like in some... What do you call those other theaters? Theaters that are like the the screen is curved and yeah, IMAX. Okay, yeah, I didn't. I don't even know like what the difference is. Like, well, so it's IMAX not 3D. is just like really big, and I think the sound quality is like more encompassing, okay, or, or something. Um, so the yeah. curvature doesn't do anything visually, really. It's just <laughs> well, like well, it for just the... like inserts you into the movie more, I guess. <laughs> right. They can charge like an extra twenty dollars for the ticket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know one of those tickets comes out to be like I don't know thirty bucks, maybe not that much, but. I mean, I was thinking maybe even more sometimes. <laughs> I guess I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, with inflation. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so back in the 80s, this was one of the more prominent 3D movies that had come out. It was a big deal back then, but. What my fear, though, is like, you know, with some of these early 3D movies is that they weren't focused on making the movie good. They were just like interested in putting this new technology out there. And sure enough, like I was reading, I was doing some research on this and I found that during the filming of this, some of the actors were kind of pissed off because they were wanting to like, you know, we're not talking about Shakespeare here, but they were wanting to like put their best performance forward as best they could for the movie. But all the um, production team was interested in was making sure that the camera guys were getting their 3D done. So whether the director, Steve Miner, was, was interested in getting the best performance out of them or the best 3D, I don't know. I think there was another team, he was kind of at odds with the um the camera guys who were just obsessed with getting the perfect shot whether it had been like oh i don't know uh, um jason shot this spear gun and they had that stupid yo-yo and you had shelly throwing the wallet at the camera and popcorn i think was just some of the 3d shots here and they were just really wanting to get that perfect really drove the narrative of the film <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about this movie. Like, my memory of it, and I, you know, it's been a while since I sat down and watched it in 3D. I've seen it several times in non 3D, but I'm not remembering too much. 
I know in the very beginning when they had those that weird couple who owned the restaurant, I think she was doing laundry outside and you would see like the clothes and laundry line coming towards you and just <laughs> this random stuff. Oh, and then when the group of kids arrives to pick up Vera, some kids are playing in the street. Uh, they're playing baseball or something. And so the baseball bat or the ball was coming at the camera. So nothing like, you know, they had the technology, but just the things they chose to film in 3D were just kind of like not that impressive. There was a few gross out things with eyeballs. But other than that, yeah, it was kind of stupid. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So with that, I mentioned briefly the wallet going at the camera. So Shelly Finkelstein, <laughs> love that name. But he, of course, played the nerd of the group. And it was it's funny because it was a very attractive cast, and I think more so than the other ones. And that's one thing also that's brought up is that uh, the screenwriter said that the casting was based on looks rather than talent. Uh, despite that, I thought they did a pretty good job acting too. But then you had Shelley, who was kind of like the oddball. And you know he was overweight. He had this, you know, Afro type thing. And you see the, the van pull up with the group. Shelley's in there. They go to pick up this girl, Vera. And part of this is not only just to pick her up to go to Crystal Lake, but also to introduce Shelley as her date. Somehow this is a blind date, and it's going to be for like an entire several days in a row where they're at Crystal Lake. So she she opens up the door, and immediately she's like, okay, which one of you is my date? <laughs> Shelly's wearing some kind of stupid mask. He pulls the mask up, and she's like, oh. That's <laughs> <laughs> the one lucky girl. <laughs> right. Poor Shelly. And, of course, like what he says next doesn't help his cause either because he's like, I know, you're disappointed, right? So as if she wasn't disappointed already when you say that that's pretty much kind of like you know um in addition so you've got vera and then you had those two hippies chuck and chili two great names i mean a lady named chili you'd expect something disgusting but she was actually um kind of cute and they were about 10 years older than the group of kids also which i thought was kind of strange they were adults, but of course they had the minds of teenagers. All they wanted to do was just get stoned or drunk or fucked up somehow. Um, your favorite of the group though, right? Yeah, I feel like it didn't really paint a very flattering picture of stoners, but. No, see this was before stoners had respect. This was right. like the early 80s when you had the Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Sean Penn stoner stereotype who just wanted to like do nothing but get high and do no schoolwork whatsoever and that <laughs> it's was really just... such a shame <laughs> i think that's just perpetuated work to perpetuate the stereotype today <laughs> i well you know you had those but i think it's come a long way because i mean look at how much respect the industry has gotten now mm-hmm. would those well guys <laughs> if you told that sean penn character uh spicoli or chuck and chili that you'd be able to buy pot legally now in most states what do you think their reaction would be Oh, I don't know. They'd probably smoke a joint. (laughs) (laughs) They'd be too messed up to know what you're talking about, or they would like, you know, I think they'd be pretty excited about that. So, Yeah, they'd light one up in celebration. Right. So it's thanks (laughs) to people like that that paved the way for the success of the marijuana industry these days. Yeah, I guess if you want to paint it that way. (laughs) (laughs) We should all have pictures of Spicoli on our walls. Um, So, yeah... They, the funny thing is, like, so with Chuck and Chili, um, the lady, Chili, she was, 
I th- it, she's she was basically disgusted with herself, I guess, that she even appeared in this movie. And it's kind of funny to think that because you figure, like, if you're going to be in this movie, you pretty much know what you're getting into. I mean, granted, there wasn't as many of the these movies as there was back in 82, but still, in part one and part two, there was, like, really no surprises. It was going to be, like, a gross-out gore fest. I guess she thought that she was going to be in this movie and parlay her way on to bigger and better things. But I think how I discovered this was that I was just doing some, I don't know, I was drunk one night and just bored and just doing some research on this movie and the characters that were in it. And this message board came up where some, you know, Friday the 13th fans were seeking out all the characters in the movie and her in particular, they were talking about how it's just like, she's never at the horror cons. She's never like at any kind of signings, like what's her deal. And then it was revealed that she hated the fact that she was in the movie. So naturally (laughs) she wasn't going to be at these events. So in the beginning of the movie, the way it starts out is that we are introduced to this couple, um, Harold and Edna. Edna, by the way, looks a bit like Kate when she has her hair in rollers. It was funny. I noticed this. And then one day, Kate actually did put her hair in rollers. We took a picture. I put them side by side. I'll have to show you. And it looks almost identical. How did Kate feel about this association? Uh, She didn't say anything. I don't think she knew how to feel about that. I mean, Edna was not a bad looking woman. when she's not in rollers, she was married to David Caruso. <laughs> that name ring any bells for you? Um, it does. Red-haired guy. He was in NYPD Blue in the very early beginning of that show and CSI mm-hmm. Miami, I think. All right, well. Very distinctive red-haired, you know. Yeah. Aside from those two shows, he was in a bunch of movies too, but nothing too impressive. Okay, well, I can't safe specifically one that sounds familiar then so <laughs> not that it matters <laughs> so you got them they own this store and jason apparently got so injured in the last movie and somehow he needed new clothes which i don't remember from the movie but i read that doing some little research before doing the podcast here so i think that's what happened was she she was hanging up clothes on the clothesline and jason ends up taking some clothes off there and he gets dressed and naturally he's going to kill this couple um the guy that she's married to is like disgusting. He's overweight. He's just greasy. He's got this big, bushy mustache. In the re- in the uh, store they own, it's like a mini convenience store. He'll think nothing of picking up like a bottle of orange juice and just drinking right out of it and putting the cap back on it so that a customer can buy that. <coughs> he has a pet rabbit that also sits among the food that he handles all the time. And she's always yelling at him because he's eating crap. He's eating, like, donuts and chips and stuff. And she's like, your doctor told you to stop eating that shit. She's like, when are you going to grow up? He's just like a child. (laughs) And then later on, you see him, like, and and this is one of the weird things I can't figure out about this movie, is they seem to have some obsession with people taking a shit. And it's not just, um, well, it's just two different guys that are doing it. And it's just like, why? Are we? Why do we have to see this? And with this guy, it's especially gross because I think you can hear everything that's going on. <laughs> it's so nasty. Um, and it's so shitting wrong, by the way. Uh, oh, oh yeah. Sorry. And the notes I printed out here, I must have forgot. I must have overlooked that I spelled shitting wrong. You'd think. Oh, you know what? I do remember now. Autocorrect did pick up on the fact that I spelled shitting wrong, but I forgot to correct it. 
<laughs> which is funny to think that autocorrect would even know how to spell the word shitting. <laughs> <laughs> AI has really come a long way. <laughs> you really have to respect that. <laughs> so um, let's see. We got him in the shitter, and then that's when he hears something. He hears Jason rummaging around up to no good. He pulls his pants up really quick uh, without wiping, I might add. Mm. And then next thing you know, I think... If my memory serves me correctly, Jason stabs him right through. The, he has his head up against the door. Maybe Jason stabbed, or maybe I'm thinking of something else that could have been scream. Maybe, but anyway, regardless, the guy gets killed right then. And then, so naturally, Edna is next. I think she's on her couch knitting, and she ends up getting a knitting needle through her neck or something like that. But. It's just weird, all this to say that, like, the characters in this movie, it's just weird. They're weirdly disconnected. They're kind of connected in some way, but really, the only thing they were brought in for the movie war for was just to be two extra victims for Jason to kill <laughs> and the uh, filmmakers to just, like, show their creativity and how they got killed, which is really, like, groundbreaking stuff. The other part of this is that you have this group of bikers. This biker gang gets mixed up with these kids. Shelly and Vera end up going together to um, a local convenience store. I forget why. I think one, I don't know. Shelly was pissed off and he just wanted to get out of there and Vera joined him too. That was supposed to be his date. So they end up doing something together. They get to the store and then I forget what happens. Shelly drops his wallet on the floor. Or no, 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 no. He gave it to Vera and she drops it. And then like this lady dressed in leather steps on it. And she picks it up and she's like, oh, is this your wallet? And then she finds a condom in there. She's like, oh, you, you and him were intending to do <laughs> so. How invasive. Yep. And then it, she makes her like apologize for talking to her a certain way. And of course they have to oblige because like, you know, you got two other guys there in this biker gang. And then um, let's see. Eventually that gets wrapped up. They leave. Shelly runs over the biker's motorcycle the guy gets all pissed off of course like that was like a little revenge move by Shelly which he's all proud of <laughs> and then they get followed back to the um, place they're staying later on and then the bikers naturally get killed themselves while in pursuit of the people they were after so that was their mistake mm -hmm. they inadvertently got themselves killed by Jason so yeah very weird combination of characters um, getting back to Chuck and Chili again so you see Chuck take this midnight uh, pot stroll outside and it's kind of like a night scene you've got the moonlight shining and he's walking up to an outhouse so this is the second time somebody takes a shit that we're treated to in the movie <laughs> I mean it is the most vulnerable you can be when you think about <laughs> it so if you're going to be working in the serial killer's favor. It only makes sense. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, you know, I think you're right. I think they realize just what you said. <laughs> they have something where you're at your, your most vulnerable. And the director or producers of this movie, I haven't seen anybody obsessed with shitting since those Charming Bears commercials <laughs> that we see so often. And they're obsessed with comparing their asses to wiped and non-wiped. There needs to be a crossover <laughs> with the Sherman Bears. <laughs> right. They're just obsessed with shitting and like wiping their ass. <laughs> One of my favorite killed. commercials, yeah. <laughs> so uh, what's his name? Chuck. So he's sitting in the outhouse and he's, you know, he's still smoking his joint. And the outhouse starts shaking. Jason apparently was out there pushing on it for some reason. I guess I've never known him to have a sense of humor, but apparently he just <laughs> wanted to, to do that. 
and Chuck looks down at the joint. He's like, wow, this is some heavy shit. <laughs> I've had those moments. <laughs> <laughs> Where the bathroom starts shaking? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who hasn't, right? <laughs> so he has to hurry up, pull his pants up, and get out of there. And, of course, just to find nothing. So Jason, up to his hijinks, left him alone in that particular moment. And then... Um, what else? There's a scene in particular that stands out. You've got the guy who's doing his handstands throughout the movie, which gets really annoying. <laughs> I find that whenever anybody does that, it is it's impressive for like two seconds, and you just get tired of seeing the person. <laughs> I don't know. Do you know many people who do handstands? I I think <laughs> probably no. no. I think it was more of an '80s thing. <laughs> handstands. Yeah, these guys Long like they big do in hair their... and uh, synthesizers. Yeah, big glasses, half shirts, and short shorts, walking <laughs> around on their hands. It's like the dumbest. It's impressive, yeah. Because well, you've the got combination that... of the short shorts and the handstands, I'm sure, was very popular. Especially nauseating, <laughs> right? Granted, you have to have some pretty good arm strength too to be able to do that. <laughs> I could. The only way I could do it was uh, being up against a wall for like mm. two seconds. Yeah, I've never attempted a um, a handstand. I've done a headstand, but handstand just teams seem to uh i don't need to do that in my life i have no um ambition to do a handstand so this guy he did it throughout the movie and then you know he's i'm remembering him being upstairs his girlfriend debbie who was pregnant she's in her bed i think and she wants a beer so the guy's like okay i'll get you a beer and so it's just like, he can't just walk downstairs. He has to like get on his hands and do it. So he's on his hands and he's walking down the hallway in his hands. And then uh, next thing you know, Jason's standing right there. So apparently Jason has kind of had it with him doing handstands also because <laughs> he takes his machete and pretty much slices the guy in half at, at that angle. So, yeah. It kind of reminds me. It's a little bit of a random point, but like when one person has like a weird gimmick like that, it reminds me of um, that one guy from, did you ever see Lady in the Water? Yeah. Movie? Once. That was enough for that movie. <laughs> <laughs> the guy that like only worked out one arm. Oh, I don't remember that at all. What, <laughs> what with like a, 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 a dumbbell? Yeah. He just like did curls, but only like on one arm so he had like one super buff arm what was the point of that i don't know i think it kind of <laughs> came into play at some point in the movie that was such a but stupid movie though <laughs> it's i mean it's been a while since i saw it i don't even remember the significance of it i forget who the lady in the water was even but i i remember the guy with one buff arm <laughs> anyway that movie was just a piece of shit i mean i was obsessed with m night Shyamalan for a long time ever since i saw the sixth sense i mm -hmm. just thought this guy was brilliant and it was a brilliant movie but since then i mean he's had a couple that were decent signs uh that was okay it was good <laughs> we saw it in the theater mm -hmm. right like that was like going back 20 years i think yeah but all yeah that was like a family trip to the movies yeah that was which was surprising <laughs> <laughs> what that we would pick that one right but it was good it was fun though mm -hmm. it wasn't like especially scary but it was fun yeah um and later in the water would come out like around 06 07 mm -hmm. and i think that was just him he was probably at the height of his ego trip i think because there was narration through the movie not narration but somebody talking about a cookbook and at first they thought it meant it was going to be like a literal cookbook that was going to be 
best-selling but it turned out that the cookbook that. <laughs> yeah what it was was basically this book that was going to be saving the world or something oh. and then m night Shyamalan acted in his own movie and he was the one that wrote this cookbook that was going to save the world so he wrote that in there for himself to be like the hero and it was just totally i don't know him just being full of himself and just thinking he can make whatever movie he wanted to and it would be successful but it it was just a joke <laughs> man i wish i did remember it better <laughs> well don't be so sure don't go back and watch it you'll regret it <laughs> so let's see i'm trying to remember how we got onto that oh yeah, yeah yeah i'll say it. yeah so any yeah anytime you're around somebody like that it just gets annoying and it's just like them <laughs> trying to and he was also the one doing the yo-yo too i think there was a girl like sunbathing and he was like doing the yo-yo right near her face and she was kind of like hey, that was close, or cut that out. It was just like, it looked very unnatural. So this brought in a lot of weirdness. And there was also a flashback to one of the characters. I can't remember if it was Debbie or who it was. Back at Higgins Haven there, she said that she, whoever it was that, I guess, owned the place and came with her family back in the day, I guess at one point she got attacked by Jason as a child or a teenager, whatever. And they don't explain exactly what happened, but he kidnapped her. And she just said she blacked out and woke up in her bed. And her parents never talked about it again. And she never knew exactly what Jason did to her, which is very like disturbing when you think about it. Yeah. That was why she never wanted to go back. And sure enough, Jason is there prowling around, picking them off one by one. Shaking out houses. What's that? Shaking out houses. Right. Shaking out houses, just disrupting people while they're in the bathroom. <laughs> just very rude. He's a very rude guy. <laughs> Okay, so there was just one more thing I wanted to get into here. And this was, I always tend to find reviews of the movie whenever I'm doing research on them and just what critics thought of them. Because I always think it's hilarious when well-respected critics review a horror movie. I'm always surprised that they even reviewed them in the first place. Like, why would they waste their time? I don't know if there's some kind of movie critic code that they have to see every movie ever made, <laughs> regardless of how bad it is. But apparently, because all those ones that you could think of back in the 80s, when these slasher movies were in their heyday, like Roger Ebert, Siskel and Ebert, Leonard Maltin, um, the New York Times writers like Janet Maslin. She surprised me because I always thought, I always liked her reviews of movies. And then she would review these horror movies and she would actually like them somehow. I remember in Nightmare on Elm Street 2 when we did that one, I had read some stuff where she was, she actually thought it was refreshing somehow which just does not make any sense to me whatsoever but here with friday the 13th part three she said that the acting of kimmel savage rogers and parks all like you know the group of kids in there she called it a major improvement to the acting from the predecessors and that minor's use of 3d filmmaking was innovative and the most professional effort when compared to other films released at the time <laughs> She said that is in each of the other recent 3D movies, of which this is this is easily the most professional, there's a lot of time devoted to trying out the gimmick. Titles loom towards you. Yo-yos spin. Popcorn bounces. Snakes dart toward the camera and strike. I don't remember any snakes, but there might have been. <laughs> uh, and eventually the novelty wears off, and what remains is the now familiar spectacle of nice dumb kids being lopped, chopped, and perforated. <laughs> That's a great word, perforated. Yeah, just and like <laughs> describing you know, Jason's notebook paper to tear out of your notebook. 
and the film was superior to the prior two films in this series. How could that be? Better than the original, just like The Godfather Part 2. <laughs> These guys knew what they were doing. But, yeah. There was, like, a couple of unnecessarily mean things. As much as, like, that handstand guy was pretty annoying, Jason didn't have to split him in half. Mm. And then what he did was he placed them. Uh, he was using a hammock to sleep in with his girlfriend while they were there. So you see her in the hammock by herself reading a magazine. Mm -hmm. And then one moment she's reading it and you see drops of blood dripping down, <laughs> if you remember. She's like, ah, where's this blood coming up? Where's this <laughs> blood coming from? She looks up in the air, and there's her boyfriend's body, which he split in half. It was almost like folded in half when he put it up there. And it's just like <laughs> dripping down the blood. So that's pretty gross. And I didn't like the way Vera got killed either. It's This was just, you know, I never noticed this before, but when I was watching it, Vera was on the dock, if you remember. And mm -hmm. she drops Shelly's wallet. I don't know why she had it in the first place in the water. I guess like from the convenience store. She never gave it back to him. Mm. She has it. She's looking at it and just falls out of her hands and then she goes into the water she wades into it to get it and then she looks over and she sees jason off like coming towards the dock he's just like standing there and um she assumes it's shelly just because he's always like being a pain in the ass with all his costumes and props and stuff and trying to freak people out with fake blood so she thinks it's him posing as some kind of stupid killer she's like shelly stop it i've got your wallet now here it is and Jason just like picks up a spear gun and looks at her and shoots her. And that's it. <laughs> and it's just like almost as if she was like, you know, he's hunting an animal, which basically pretty much is what this series is. But mm -hmm. it just seemed like, you know, she's just standing there like with not any kind of fighting chance or just he, just like he's target practice. It just, I don't know. It just came off as very callous, which is a silly comment to make about a movie like this, but especially compared to the other compared to the other killings i think it's too much of a low-hanging fruit there yes exactly <laughs> thumbs down in that scene but um otherwise yeah i guess that pretty much brings this to an end is what far as what i wanted to get into on part three um yeah like i said it was it was solid it wasn't some that were kind of like bland and just very like uninspired but this you had the 3d in there and you had like a decent group of people acting and everything and it's just a lot of different contrast i guess you could say anything you would like to add to that um would you recommend this to your friends of course <laughs> the ones you hate watch this right away yeah yep so that's a couple friday the 13th in a row we probably won't do another one next week um who knows what that'll be a surprise well i guess that pretty much wraps it up Thanks for listening. See you again next week. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Not Your Average Horror Show. As always, today's episode was brought to you by a big endowment from the Alliance to Fight the Perception that Introverts are Stuck-Up Assholes. 